them and other countries establish the liberal world order and a rules-based uh, liberal world order, we find that these rules-based institutional, uh, international institutions are under attack and under threat. And so we have with us Ambassador Kaiser, whose country really believes in multilateralism and in a rules-based global um, global system and a liberal world order. So we want you to speak of ethical dilemmas in a time of crisis. Should I go there? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, th thank you, uh, Professor Rangita, for the uh, introduction. It's a great honor to uh, be here at the Penn Law in Philadelphia, home of the Constitution, former former capital, uh, in the company of such uh, distinguished uh, colleagues. Uh, former ministers and, uh, of course, uh, Special Representative Matthew Nimitz. Uh, I have a story to share about uh, uh, Mr. Nimitz. I was on my first uh, posting in New York maybe 18 uh, years ago, and uh, at that time um, I was looking after the Security Council uh, dossiers uh, dealing with the Western Balkans, and uh, I think there were at least four, uh, four topics uh, related to the region, and one of them was uh, already then the, the name uh, question, and then I went to the UN Secretariat and asked, uh, well, uh, uh, do you think there might be a possibility to meet uh, with uh, a special representative? They said, no, 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 that's uh, impossible. It's, uh, he's so busy and uh, he's so, you know, distinguished, and, uh, and I said, uh, okay, then I have to uh, revert to other sources, uh, but... Uh, Luckily, 18 years later, uh, we, we are here, and uh, I'm, my, my hunger for knowledge is, uh, is satisfied, and it's really a great, great, great honor. Um, I'm a marathon runner myself, uh, not, not a very uh, good, good one, but uh, uh, Mr. Nimitz is a diplomatic uh, marathon runner who is just about the, the cross, uh, the finish, finish line, and we are very, very happy about it. Uh, let me uh, kick off by, by asking uh, you, uh, the students, uh, a, present, uh, a question. Uh, who, who of you has ever considered uh, a career in, in diplomacy? Anybody? Yeah. Okay. Good. That's encouraging. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not the path uh, to, to wealth, uh, but uh, I can tell you it's, uh, it can be quite uh, satisfactory. Um, uh, what do you think whether all the politicians get their ideas from? It's uh, from, from people like uh, Matthew Nimitz, uh, the minister, uh, and uh, perhaps also my, myself. So you, you can influence uh, things. And uh, it's a little bit also like joining the Marines, uh, only not uh, wearing the uniform. And uh, I guess uh, uh, life is a bit bit easier in that sense. When I got um, uh, the topic from uh, the professor, I thought, oh, what a, what a curveball, uh, <laughs> diplomacy and ethics. Uh, uh, it's, it's really difficult uh, to, to combine, um, remembering also what has been said about diplomats, that they are honest men who are sent out uh, abroad to lie for their country, uh, men or, or women. And then you might uh, also remember what uh, Kissinger uh, once said, that there are no friends in, in diplomacy, there are 
or permanent friends in diplomacy, but, but uh, only interests. So is ethics and uh, diplomacy, is it an oxymoron? Uh, can, it, uh, can they coexist. be combined or, or can they coexist? And uh, I try uh, to look at it uh, maybe from, from a more positive uh, from a positive angle, also because of my country uh, kind of uh, depends on, on, on ethics, um, if you scale ethics into international politics and, and uh, de dependency. So uh, I would like to start from the ind individual's uh, perspective and uh, coming myself from a multilateral uh, uh, environment, having worked in the UN uh, for, for many, many years, I have learned how uh, important uh, trust uh, between individuals is. I mean, with 193 member states uh, and, and colleagues uh, uh, roaming the UN uh, meetings and corridors and dealing with uh, different processes, uh, it's a huge network of in interdependencies. One day I need something from you, the next day <coughs> you need something, something from me, and uh, you have to build uh, trust because uh, trust is, is the platform of your, your professionalism. And uh, actually this tra trust uh, factor, it goes also uh, above or beyond uh, traditional adversaries. And I give you an example. I mean, there, there are so many examples, but one quite a recent example is uh, Samantha Power and uh, Vitaly Churkin. I mean, they, they fought uh, like hell in the Security Council, uh, but uh, privately they had a huge uh, amount of trust uh, uh, towards each other. And you can see it in some of the powers uh, obituary, uh, which uh, she uh, wrote uh, about Vitali when he, he passed away. So uh, don't let uh, the issues get in the way of your p personal uh, relationships uh, should you enter diplomacy. Uh, issues are issues, but you depend uh, lastly on, on people. Then uh, I would kind of extrapolate uh, this uh, idea to the intergovernmental uh, level. And uh, I think... <clears throat> There, um, you, you can also say that uh, trust is, is essential, uh, especially between uh, neighbors. If you don't have uh, trust uh, between neighbors, uh, you, your um, societal and uh, economical existence, uh, perhaps also security existence, suffers. And uh, I think um, Matthew's uh, process is a good example. You have uh, two neighbors, uh, Macedonia and Greece, who have been locked in this dispute over the name uh, for, for decades, and this has prevented uh, Macedonia from uh, developing itself uh, uh, with the potential it, it has. And it has also regional uh, implications because, uh, because of this blockage, uh, Macedonia has not been able to join uh, NATO and the European Union. And uh, my, my belief is that uh, um, I think the Greek uh, politicians basically, uh, they came to, in the end, to the conclusion that uh, uh, regional stability uh, should prevail over this name issue. And now they have to convince uh, the population to, to take the, the right uh, decision. And, uh, uh, it's just a pity it took such a, such a long time. And in Europe, we still have a, a few unresolved uh, 
uh, questions which are also similar to the, the Macedonian question. We have the Cyprus, uh, divided Cyprus, and we have the, the unrecognized uh, Kosovo in, in, the, in the center of the Western Balkans. Uh, uh, sometimes you just wonder about the maturity of uh, uh, politicians. And uh, that is where, I mean, diplomats coming back to the, the, the idea of diplomats' uh, influence, uh, the, you, you can really exert some, some influence in cases like this uh, if the circumstances are, are right. So um, maybe uh, one word about, um, yeah, the, the, this bridge building, um, uh, I'm a Finnish ambassador, so I should advertise a little bit uh, for my country. I'm, I'm, after all, paid for, for that. Uh, and, uh, I, I mean, uh, Matthew referred to the Helsinki uh, process, uh, which um, there was a Helsinki summit in 1975, uh, which took a long time to prepare. But I think the, the uh, ramifications of that process uh, actually led to the collapse of the Soviet Union. Uh, it, it was one important step uh, uh, to end, to terminate the Cold War. So, so Finland has tried to use its small um, strategic uh, position, small state strategic geographical position uh, at the fringes of the Western uh, culture, uh, neighboring Russia. We share uh, 800 miles border uh, with Russia. And there I have an anecdote, uh, again, from the UN. Uh, when the, one of the Finnish uh, foreign ministers, he, he, he visited the UN um, General Assembly and there was an American journalist ask, asking him, well, you have this long border with uh, the Soviet Union. Uh, don't, don't you think it's a, it's a huge uh, problem? And the minister replied, no, I would uh, think it's a problem if we hadn't the border. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, this Geographical location has also um, helped us, or, or we have used this, uh, it to our advantage by, by organizing um, uh, me meetings and summits. Um, uh, the last example was uh, last summer, uh, the Putin-Trump uh, uh, summit. Uh, we are not responsible for the contents. We just provided uh, the electricity and uh, <laughs> atmosphere. <laughs> Uh, beautiful summer, white nights, uh, CNN broadcasting. Uh, uh, it was a p perfect uh, performance from the side of the host. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's a history to this. Uh, also Yeltsin and uh, <coughs> Clinton met in, in Helsinki in 95 and then the, the Helsinki uh, summit 75. So we, we try to uh, strengthen our own uh, position by uh, being active internationally and bringing the, the uh, big players uh, together. But in addition to that, we are also uh, doing some behind-the-scenes uh, work. Uh, there's a long tradition of uh, Finnish peace mediation, uh, several track, the formal track one, uh, you have the less formal uh, track two, and um, experts say, have, they break them down into three, two and a half, etc. Uh, but um, things have happened, or there have been <clears throat> meetings uh, on, between North Korea and, and the U.S. Uh, uh, representatives in, in Finland, also Iran and, and uh, U.S. have, have uh, used our services. And uh, we, we think uh, this is uh, a good way to contribute to, to stability. Um, 
So that would be uh, more or less the trust uh, part, and then uh, one or two words about uh, predictability, uh, which is an, an essential component of diplomacy. I mean, uh, I guess your perception about uh, diplomacy is uh, quite conservative. Uh, things are, are moving uh, slowly, uh, no hasty decisions, uh, not being very spontaneous, and uh, this is absolutely correct. Uh, things are... <laughs> indeed uh, moving slowly, but it serves uh, a purpose. It's, it's, uh, the predictability is, is uh, a safeguard in, in diplomacy. And uh, here I would also uh, refer to uh, agreements, uh, the fact uh, how important honoring uh, certain <coughs> agreements is, how important it is uh, to honor rules, and here we come to uh, what, Professor, you mentioned in the beginning, the rules-based uh, uh, international uh, system. Uh, most of the, the UN members, uh, maybe with the exception of the, the permanent uh, five, uh, well, even, even uh, them, they depend, or we depend on the rules-based system, that we, we know the rules and we adhere uh, to the rules. But... Uh, it is in particular important to, to small countries like us um, uh, because it's, it's an existential uh, question uh, to, to us. And we need uh, a predictable uh, rules-based uh, international uh, system. That is why, why we have joined uh, United Nations, why we have joined the European Union, the OSCE, why we have engaged into the WTO um, and um, the Paris uh, Climate Agreement compacts like the Global Compact of, of uh, Migration and several others. Now, uh, I, I don't think it has escaped you that this uh, system is uh, under a lot of uh, pressure. Um, I have uh, been uh, in New York now for four and a half years, so I have uh, experienced two U.S. Uh, administrations and uh, how they uh, view the international uh, order and, uh, of course, there's a big, uh, big difference. And um, uh, what was uh, quite striking now in September when uh, the heads of states, uh, they met again in New York and uh, uh, the host country's uh, statement uh, uh, distanced uh, itself from uh, global governance and uh, instead uh, introduced uh, concepts like uh, uh, patriotism as the guiding rule of the international uh, uh, system. And uh, that, in, in, in our view, is uh, concerning. Whether this will actually materialize in, in uh, concrete policy uh, remains to be seen, but uh, I think uh, the, the early signs are that we are moving into that, uh, into that direction. What was also striking was that the huge majority of the other speakers uh, emphasized the importance of the, the rules-based international system, including countries like Russia and China. And uh, my thought, uh, after uh, I had digested uh, these uh, speeches, uh, we have uh, three superpowers. We have the, the United States, which is uh, distancing it from the rules-based system. We have China, which is... Um, claiming it, uh, it, it follows the rules-based system, but uh, in practice uh, does it on its own, own terms. And then we have Russia, uh, which is also um, 
on paper or in rhetoric uh, committing itself to the rules-based system, but in practice, uh, well, you, we all know what happened in, in Crimea and in, in Syria. So I'm sorry uh, I cannot uh, be any more optimistic uh, than my, my, my <laughs> colleagues who opened uh, the debate, but uh, on... Yes, on, on, on my uh, front, uh, uh, things are not uh, looking very, very positive. But let's um, try to, to finish on, on the more positive uh, note. I, I would go back to the ethics in, in diplomacy on the more concrete uh, level and uh, highlight uh, the gender aspect, which uh, we touched upon also earlier. Uh, I always wondered what this female foreign policy uh, actually means uh, in, in concrete uh, terms. It's, it's a great uh, slogan, uh, which has been uh, promoted especially by our neighbors, uh, Sweden, uh, uh, good neighbors. We have an excellent relationship, and uh, Sweden is uh, currently serving on the Security Council. They have a, a, a female foreign minister, very good and very, very active. But um, uh, this... this concept of female foreign policy has somehow escaped me, and uh, I, I, it could, might be a good, uh, good discussion, but item of discussion. What we have, or what I experience uh, in, in my home organization is, is a big change. Uh, the majority of uh, Finnish diplomats are women, 60% uh, of the current serving uh, diplomats, 40% of the ambassadors are, are women at the moment, and the number is uh, <coughs> gradually increasing. Uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Finnish uh, female ambassadors controlled the world, uh, literally, because uh, our ambassador to Beijing was a female, uh, to New Delhi, to, to Jakarta, to the United States. So uh, I think that is one version of... Uh, of fem female foreign, foreign policy. And um, I'm very happy that we, we are gender-balanced uh, panel here today because uh, I've also made a commitment uh, as a gender champion, which is an initiative launched in Geneva by actually the, the previous uh, administration's uh, ambassador there, that uh, I'm not attending uh, manals, uh, which is a panel without uh, women. So we always have to have a kind of a fair representation in, in the, on the panels. One more uh, kind of link to, to ethics and diplomacy on the individual level is uh, um, how do you re react as a diplomat uh, when you feel that your government is uh, acting against your own uh, conviction or your, your own, own ethics? It's, it's a big uh, dilemma. I'm very uh, fortunate that I've never been confronted with, uh, with it uh, uh, truly. Uh, I mean, the, even in, in, in the West, uh, now with the rise of populism and uh, parties uh, coming to, to government and coalition, uh, the risk is growing. But uh, I have seen colleagues... Um, during the Arab Spring, uh, I remember I was ambassador to Indonesia. My Tunisian, Tunisian colleague, he, he resigned because uh, he couldn't uh, work with the old uh, government. Uh, uh, the most recent example was with my uh, colleague, uh, UN ambassador of, of Gambia. Mm -hmm. uh, 
In Gambia, you had the elections. Uh, the election result uh, were against the incumbent, but uh, he refused to step down. Um, so the ambassador in New York, he said, this is enough, I, I, I quit. Um, and he was actually vindicated uh, because uh, incumbent president, he had to ultimately step down. And guess who is the foreign minister in Gambia now? It's uh, my former colleague. Eh? So um, these are, are problems where uh, I think you, you just have to follow your, your instincts. And, and um, I, I'm not in the position to give any, any general advice, but uh, this is definitely a linkage or example where ethics and, and diplomacy uh, link. And my final, final uh, reference, and this is just uh, to point you into a certain direction, is uh, about uh, new technologies. Mm -hmm. um, the frontier technologies are emerging, uh, things like uh, artificial in intelligence, autonomous uh, lethal weapon systems. They all challenge our <clears throat> prevailing uh, understanding of, of uh, ethics and also human rights. So I, I would just uh, ask you to make a mental note about this uh, area and uh, study it, follow it. And um, I, I think you, you are not able to uh, escape it. So I think this, uh, there's plenty of uh, food for thought yes. with this, and we can continue yes. with the discussion. Now. So we wanted to stay there because we have two student interlocutors. But first of all, <coughs> what a fascinating tour de force of ethical issues that you have raised. First and foremost, um, you know, you pointed, <coughs> pointed to the fact that we have this discussion against the backdrop of a rising populism, nativism, and, uh, and, and nationalism. And that is why programs like this are even more important, that we bring together students from different parts of the university, but from different parts of the world, different religious and ethnic backgrounds to meet with leaders from across the world who can come together and create a more, a, a, what I would say, a world order that is created on a, on a sense of harmony, the ways in which all of what you've said relate to each other and connect to each other. Secondly, the Finnish agenda itself, Finnish foreign policy agenda itself could be summed up as the promotion of a rule-based world order where power is constrained by effective multilateral institutions, like the United Nations, like the EU, like NATO. So I think that the rules-based world order must be seen to coexist with multilateral institutions. And finally, uh, Ambassador, I think you uh, didn't seize the mantle of feminist foreign policy in a way that you should, because I saw you in action two weeks ago in New York when you took up the role of being a feminist foreign policy leader. You are a feminist foreign policy leader. You led the Me Too movement's convening uh, by the United Nations, and you hosted that convening. So when you say, I don't know what feminist foreign policy really is, I beg to differ. I think you do know it, but you just need to take on that label. We, we are no modest. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, we have two great students, Katharina and Yussi, who have questions for you. Katharina? 
Thank you so much. Uh, it was fascinating. You also stole most of my questions, frankly. Um, <laughs> so it feels sometimes, so I'm an Austrian as well as an American, and I think in both the US and in Europe, you see sweeping hatred, populism, it begins to feel as though you're kind of a diplomat in your own personal capacity, sometimes on a daily basis. And my question is, how do you manage to both remain ethical, to keep very clear lines in your head about how far you're willing to reach out to people you're trying to persuade, while still reaching out and trying to sort of build those bridges you talked about to convince people who should be listening to listen? Yeah, it's, um, thank you for that. It's, it's a tough, uh, tough balance. And I think this uh, FGM uh, topic is, is one good example. Um, I, sp I spent uh, the day before yesterday uh, pretty much uh, meeting uh, colleagues uh, on the, from the opposite uh, side uh, and, and tried to tell them uh, what, what we think the, the issue was not uh, FGM then, it was uh, extrajudicial uh, killings and the, the SOGI uh, sexual orientation and uh, gender identity group which we are considering as one of the vulnerable groups and uh, which in this particular uh, General Assembly resolution would require extra protection. So uh, you, you can't get uh, personal or too, too emotional about it. Uh, uh, you play it, uh, you know, fa fact-based, and um, if that doesn't uh, work, uh, and usually doesn't uh, work, you need to uh, look for, for different channels. Um, what we try to do is then uh, to elevate it from, from New York uh, to the capital uh, level, and uh, we complement our, our activities, uh, demarching uh, my fellow ambassador or group of ambassadors usually uh, in this case I can say the I can say the interlocutor was uh, one African country uh, though those embassies there approached the foreign ministry and uh, kind of uh, reinforced the message uh, there we might take it up uh, through regional uh, dialogues uh, the EU is meeting uh, with uh, representatives of other regional organizations or, or even country representatives so it's kind of uh, you try to multiply the, the effect by, by taking it up on, on different uh, fora. But uh, you, you can't uh, bring in uh, your person uh, too much. Uh, a little bit is, is good, I would say. I mean, maybe there are colleagues who think differently, but uh, I, I try to separate uh, personality and work. It also helps you to get uh, or fall asleep in the, in the <laughs> evening. <laughs> yeah. You see? Uh, thank you so much for your speech, Ambassador. It's always been my dream to work in the United Nations, so it's great to hear your perspectives. Um, and my question has two parts. Uh, in your career that spans different geographical regions as well as issue areas, what has been the most um, memorable decision you've made? And also, what has been the most influential moment of, of epiphany in your career? Yeah, th thank you. That was... Uh... Your invitation to dance, uh, but, <laughs> but I, I try to uh, be le not not uh, too long and not too nostalgic. But uh, my my best professional uh, experience is also related to the Western Balkans. Uh, I had the privilege to work uh, with uh, our former president uh, Marti Ahtisari, 
who was also a Nobel uh, Peace Laureate. Uh, he got the Nobel Peace Prize in 2008 uh, for, for uh, different uh, services. Uh, uh, but we, <laughs> we, were, we were working, um, he was appointed by Kofi Annan, uh, like uh, Matthew, uh, in, in 2006 uh, to, to solve the Kosovo status uh, issue. Uh, Kosovo status was unresolved and uh, the UN uh, took a role in, in you know, trying to solve it. So uh, he was my boss and uh, we worked for almost three years on, on this file, uh, which uh, taught me uh, a lot. Uh, and uh, in, Matthew uh, talked the, about the importance of having good mentors. Uh, I was very unfortunate uh, in, in having President Artisari as my, my mentor. Uh, and um, it was also I mean, a little bit, I mean, substantively, uh, it was a, a bit of a dilemma uh, because the Kosovo case uh, legally, uh, in, in terms of international law, is not clear cut. Uh, our uh, proposal was based more on, on politics and uh, the po prevalent uh, realities, uh, political uh, realities than uh, international law. And um, we didn't succeed. Uh? We, we have to be honest. Uh? The Security Council, uh, because of uh, Russian uh, resistance, uh, never adopted the resolution uh, which would have allowed uh, our proposal to be implemented. Uh, but then, okay, uh, next step was that the unilateral independence was declared and the proposal was the basis of the, the current constitution, uh, but let's not go, go that far. Uh, but uh, yes, U UN has uh, provided me my best uh, professional experience, uh, so I encourage you to go this same path. What should I use?